I just, it was like otherworldly, you know, you're like, what? I can't believe this, you know, and you're holding your baby and you're just like, wow, this is something else. You know, it's ordinary in terms that it happens every day, all day long, but it really is extraordinary and like, wow, you know, I can't believe this just happened. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. So this week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, I have Carly joining me. And guys, I know I say this like every single week, but I am so, so excited to share this one with you. Carly is a part of a two-mom family, and she's actually now pregnant with her third baby. Her and her wife have used the same sperm donor for all three of their babies, but the way Carly got pregnant was different all three times. It's a very interesting and very heartfelt story. Are you wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of your pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? When you're pregnant, it can feel impossible to stay on top of all the new stuff going on with your body, your baby, and your bulging at the seams to-do list. (laughs) Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. That's all one word, mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant. See you in your inbox real soon. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Carly. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today with me. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, where are you from, your family, anything at all you want to share? Okay. So I'm 35 and I live in Ottawa, Ontario, which is the capital of Canada for oh. all of you. I know, right? <laughs> for all of you who are trying to do the geography in your heads. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to say that I probably could have gotten that right on a multiple choice, but I don't think I could have just like pulled that. That's yeah, kind of yeah, more, say, like a phone a okay. friend. Yeah, yeah. I yes, hear that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> phone a Canadian friend. Right. Um, and, so, and so I'm a high school special education teacher. And so is my wife. I've been married to my wonderful wife, Jess, for seven years now. And we have two kids who are two boys, ages two and a half and almost five. And I'm currently pregnant 20-something weeks 20 something. Uh, with our third. Yeah, I feel like that's a third baby thing. Yeah, you know? you, well, it was a second baby thing for me, for sure. And I'm sure it only is more of a third baby thing once you get to the third one. You're like, oh, yeah, I am pregnant. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Are you having another boy or do you not know? We don't know 
we're surprisers. You're surprisers. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And we feel we're dedicated to the cause. We, I find like people who want to be surprised, they just want to be surprised. Mm -hmm. And that's us because there's nothing like the energy in the room. It's, you know, it could give you goosebumps just thinking about, you know, just that good juju. And sometimes that's what you really need right there at the end. Oh yeah. You are not lying. Yes, for sure. I know that feeling very, very well. So we are going to be talking about your first two births and then a little bit about your pregnancy as well. Usually what I have people do is kind of go back to the beginning and talk about, you know, getting pregnant and how that process was. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different because you're in a same-sex marriage. So it's not the typical way that most people get pregnant. Yeah, we definitely did not light any candles and put on any music. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's just say that. So we had decided shortly thereafter when we wanted to, after we got married a few years, that we definitely wanted to have kids. And we anticipated that it's a long process for queers to have babies. So we started, you know, getting as much information as we could. In Ontario, where we live, we are covered for different procedures. The actual procedures themselves are covered, but the sperm, the cost of the sperm is not covered. Mm. So we, you know, started with our fertility doctor right away and they do all the testing just to make sure that, you know, your tubes are clear and everything looks good because they don't want to go down that road if you're Mm. not prepped and ready. Like if you have a block tube or something like that. And so that takes about six months of testing. And then they give you the all clear and you get to go shopping for a sperm donor. So yeah, we sort of sat down and poured a glass of wine and thought like, let's do this, you know? And and we had this list. It was like a somewhat vague list of things that we wanted. I was like, I definitely want over six feet tall. I don't know why I just have it in my head. And so I was like, must be six feet tall. And, you know, just like a kind sounding individual and you get so much background information. You know, I always joke with my hetero friends that I know more about my donor than they probably know about their husband. Like we get like a 40 page report, actually 40 pages. So you get everything. You get all the stats from both sides of the families dating back like a hundred years as far as they can remember. And just like for congenital issues and different health concerns. So you get tons and tons of info. And so we just started going through and looking through and thinking, okay, we want him to be tall. We want him to be handsome. We want, you know, him to be smart and funny and charismatic. Like we really just would love to go for a drink with him. Someone that you would want to go for a drink, right? And just like, you know, shoot the breeze with. And so we found someone who we were very, very interested in and we bought it out. There were only three vials, but you know, the clinic gave us lots of tips on if you like someone, you don't know how many times it's going to take. So buy a lot. So, you know, we bought about $5,000 worth of sperm, which, wow, yeah, because we have to just, you know, we needed backup and then backup and then backup because, you know, you want multiple kids and stuff like that. Yeah. And sometimes they go into like what's called like retirement. Oh. So it's not always available in the future. So if you want subsequent children with the same donor, your best bet is to buy a lot in the like beginning. stock up, stock up yeah. on that sperm. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so we bought everything he had. <laughs> and then we shipped it to our clinic and we got started. And so 
I'm a pretty fertile person, thankfully. And so all we were really missing was the sperm and it didn't take long. It didn't work on the first time. I have a bit of a longer cycle. And so the second time they put me on Clomid and it worked right away. And so, you know, we couldn't believe it. We were like totally shocked and we were excited. You know, we were so, so excited. And so it just seemed like, even though it was such a short time of trying to conceive, just the whole process of from start to getting to there was like at least a year, you know, his appointments and stuff like that. And just the buildup was, it was a long time coming. So we were thrilled and the pregnancy, it was honestly, it was easy. It was like a really, I know it was just like a really easygoing, you know, time. And I taught the whole time. So that was, we conceived in December. And Mm -hmm. so baby was due in August. Okay. And I knew I wanted a midwife right away. That like standard of care here in Canada is integrated into our healthcare system. So you either get to choose a midwife or an OB and the government funds both for you. So midwives can deliver here, licensed midwives deliver at home in the hospital, or we have a freestanding birth center here in Ottawa. So that's the three different routes. And we have, my wife's sister is an OB. So we have lots of, we have lots of good OB energy in our family. Always good to have someone to be able to call in the middle of the night. Oh, that's a big perk for sure. So I knew I wanted a midwife. Just, I really resonated with like the, like a more personal approach and the appointments are longer and they have aftercare here. So They come to your house after baby is born three times in the first week and then once a week for six weeks. That's great. So that for me, like I was sold. Yeah. So I knew pretty early on that I wanted an out-of-hospital birth. And so I started preparing because I knew that it was going to be a lot of work. And so I didn't take any birthing classes, but I started really reading a lot of unmedicated childbirth information. I just got into it. A lot of like anime. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the birth hour and just trying to get, as, just trying to get as many things, as much information as I could to try and give me an idea about what it would be like. Yeah. That's kind of the difficulty with your first pregnancy is you just don't know you know, what to expect. Like you can do all this research and have an idea in your head, but it's still that like, oh, I want to do research and research and research to just kind of like have it in my head of what it's possibly going to be like. And you can really do all the research you want, but until you're there, you're not there. Yeah. It's a whole different ball game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so the pregnancy was, like I said, it was really, you know, a straightforward no complications, nothing like that. And, you know, we were getting towards the end and I had just figured, you know, your first time mom, you're going to go over. And that's what my midwife says, you know, like just prepare yourself to go to 42 weeks because that's just the easiest route. And if you become sooner, then we'll all be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. 
it was getting towards the end. And of course it's, you know, it's uncomfortable and people are texting and calling and, you know, oh, yeah. this and that, and the appointments are getting more frequent, but you know, it was still very manageable. And so it was August. So it was hot, but that was okay. You know, I wasn't teaching. I was on summer vacation. And so I was just chilling a lot really. And I was about 39 weeks And I was like, okay, I've still got a long time to go, just settle in. And I was doing a lot of walking. So we had a French bulldog at the time and we walked her around and around and around and around. And, you know, this one night we were walking her and I walked up this great big hill. And I said at the top of the hill to my wife, I was like, it really feels like the baby's just going to fall out. Mm. (laughs) It was just this feeling of this pressure. And I think I was 39 weeks one day. And so, you know, in the middle of the night, I just got up to go to the bathroom and I sat on the toilet and I just heard a pop. Ah. And I was like, is that, is that what I think it is? And I like (laughs) heard a big gush into the toilet and I just sort of sat there for a couple of seconds thinking to myself, like, I'm the only person on earth right now who knows that I'm in labor. Oh, that's interesting. That's the first thought that popped into your head. Yeah. I was like, whoa, I'm just going to revel in that for a minute. Right. That's cool. And so I just sort of sat there for a second and chilled out and was like, okay, this is how it starts. After, you know, my little moment to myself, I called out to my wife and I said, you know, babe, my water just broke. And I heard her, like, she has never moved quicker, you know? So she, like, jumped out of bed. And we always joke, you know, if she went back on her Apple Watch, she would see her heart rate (laughs) through the roof. And she comes running in, and she was so excited. And, you know, we were like, oh, my God, you know? And so we were so, so excited. And so our midwife had told us, you know, if your water breaks, put on a pad and go back to bed. Yeah. We just waited, you know, and we just like timed the contractions. And I just sort of did this little, you know, I had a little loop. I was walking sort of around, sitting on my birth ball, bouncing and, you know, waiting to see how things progress. And so my water broke is about 2 a.m. And then by five, we had hit that 511 mark. And so we paged our midwife and she said, okay, well, it's 5am. So I'm up for the day. So I'm going to come over. And so she came over and we adore this woman. Like Aww. this, this woman is just, she's everything. Honestly, Aww. everyone says their midwife's the best, but like, I know in my heart that actually like mine's the best. I actually have it. <laughs> the best, best. That's great. And so she came over, her name's Ola and she, you know, just sat with us and just hung out there for a couple of hours. It was about nine o'clock in the morning. And my midwife suggested that maybe I try to lie down a little bit. And so, you know, she didn't want me to be too tired. And she knew that I'd already been walking around quite a bit. And she said, you know, the rule is, is that you got to try something for three contractions. Yep. And so, you know, I got in the bed and it was just a no-go. It was mm-hmm. like a non-starter. I was like, she wants me to relax right now? Mm-hmm. Like, you're kidding me. Yeah. And so it was totally, I was like, I can't do this. And so I gave her the three contractions. And then I came back downstairs and I was like, nope. Like, I just, that's that's not going to work for me. Yeah. You know, she had this like sense that I was kind of wondering 
where am I? When are we yeah. going to make the move to the birth center? That yeah. sort of thing. And so she offered to do a cervical check, which was the first that I'd had. And so, and I hadn't had a membrane sweep or anything like that. So she did a cervical check and she said, oh, you're five centimeters. So that's pretty good. That's active labor. Like we can go. And so she called the birth center, like fill up the tub and, you know, we're coming in. We got to the birth center and got into the tub and relaxed. And I just did my thing for a few hours. And it's sort of, I could feel things were changing a little bit. It was just like upping in intensity. And, you know, my wife was doing like hip squeezes and she was in the tub with me and, but I was still really coping really well. And then I started to feel like my body was doing something different and that really freaked me out. And it was the one thing that I had not prepared myself for was the fetal ejection (laughs) reflex. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, where your body just starts pushing on its own. Yeah. It just like knocked me over. It's hard to prepare for that sort of thing though, to be be clear. (laughs) and (laughs) Don't sell yourself short. You did a lot of prep, but that's one thing that's hard to prep for. (laughs) And I was sort of like, my midwife could totally tell my demeanor changed and I was freaked out that got me out of my Zen pretty quick. Mm. And so my midwife was like, okay, well, come on out of the tub. You know, we're going to move positions, change positions. We're going to go to the bathroom, empty your bladder, do some contractions on the toilet. You know, we're going to change this up a little bit. She did another cervical check and sure enough, I was in transition and I was like that typical transition mom moment. Like Mm -hmm. I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I cannot do this. I will not do this. This is not happening for me today, folks. It was, you know, that transition there, it was rough. It gets really, really intense. Yeah. And like you said, you know, you can prepare for a lot of things, but the intensity of it can be feel very overpowering. And you really have to like give in, you know, instead of like fight that intensity, you need to like work with that intensity. Yeah. And so at that point, she offered a little nitrous. And so I said, bring it on. And so she brought it on and, you know, I was holding that mask for dear life. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, and I did that for a couple of contractions and she said, okay, well now you're getting a little bit too, almost like a little too loopy, maybe like you're not focused enough. And so, mm. you know, the nitrous took the edge off where like, it was still that intense, but you didn't like, you almost didn't care about it as much. Exactly how I tell patients. That is the perfect way to describe it. Like it's not probably going to hurt any less. You're just not really going to care as much about it. Yeah. And so it really sort of tided me over until she was like, okay, now you're getting like a little lazy here. We're going to have to take that away. And I was like, okay, I guess so. (laughs) And so you know, she did another check and I was fully dilated, but I had a little cervical lip. And so Mm -hmm. she just did a little pushback, you know, a little magical move there. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay, let's do it. My wife through this was like a rock star and she is squeamish. She had no idea how she was going to do. And so she though was like, like, she was like the best doula you could ever have just like right there by my side. She you know, didn't miss a single contraction. And it was, you know, she was amazing. And so she really wanted to announce the sex of the baby. And so my midwife said, okay, well, you're going to need to be right there then. 
And she said, I just don't know if I can do that. And then mm. my midwife was joking, like, we're going to do a four-handed catch, Jess. And my wife was like, whoa, <laughs> definitely not doing that. But then, of course, when push came to shove, she was right there, right oh, into it. And I yeah. didn't push for long. And then his head was out. And my midwife said to my wife, you know, Jess, catch your baby. And so she reached down and she pulled the baby out and she held him up. And we're all sort of looking at her to announce the sex. And she just was like, totally gobsmacked. Like, I did it. (laughs) She was like a deer in headlights. Like I've never seen her like that before. And her mom was also there standing behind her. And finally, after about 30 seconds, her mom said, Jess, it's a boy. <laughs> and we all just started to cry, you know? Oh. And so we were just like elated, you know, oh. they put that baby on you and you're just like, you did it. Yes. You really feel like you have just climbed Mount Everest. Oh yeah. Like what? I can't believe this, yeah. you know? And you're holding your baby and you're just like, wow. Yeah. This is something else. You know, it's ordinary in terms that it happens every day, all day long, but it really is extraordinary in like, wow, you know, I can't believe this just happened. And so, you know, we did delayed cord clamping and all that. And, you know, he nursed right away and, you know, I had a second degree tear. And so they freeze it up and everything like that. And then they stitch it up and then and obviously I delivered the placenta and that was being a bit stubborn. So they gave me a shot of like, I think it's oxytocin or pitocin mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. in your leg. And yeah. then the placenta came out no problem. And with the, being at the birthing center, they only keep you four hours. Yeah, so they, so nice. they, they bring you a meal. So you get to choose, they have like a menu. So you choose a hot meal after and they bring it to you. And then, you know, your midwife helps you get in the shower and just like process, take your first pee and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, helps you really get into that first little groove. And then they tell you what you need to know for the next 24 hours. And then they send you home. See you later. Yeah. No, I love it. No, that is exactly how birth centers typically in the US are too. Mm -hmm. You stay for like four or six hours and then, you know, somebody does come to your house usually like the next day to check on baby on you. It was amazing. You know, so we got to the birth center around 10 o'clock. He was born at 5 p.m. and we were home in our beds you know, snuggling in at like 930. Right. And it was like, we're looking at each other like, wow, like this is, like I said, it's extraordinary. It's just amazing. And I definitely had some baby blues. I think I started getting sort of, I noticed getting anxious when it was getting dark out. And every night at the same time, the sun would start setting and I would start dreading the night because he was up every two hours to nurse and you know you're that new mom so you're like get out your nursing pillow right you're changing the diaper right and so I wasn't really getting a ton of sleep and that really played negatively on my mental health and so that first six weeks you know were a bit stormy but then you know that fog lifted and it was okay nice we got into a really good groove and here in Canada you get 
12 months of maternity leave. And so, you know, we had a whole year to get to know one another and just get to, you know, enter a new season as a family of three. Yeah, that's amazing. We have a long way to go here in the U.S. with, I mean, a lot of things, but (laughs) with maternity leave in particular. But yeah, a year. That is so great. All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. All right, this one says, just wanted to say thank you for your Birth It Up series. We did your natural birth class, but ended up having a C-section. I swear I knew that's what the doctor was going to say before he even said it, and it's because I knew exactly what to expect and what wasn't happening. I love that. I mean, even though she did end up having a C-section, I love that you know, she felt like she knew what was coming and what to expect. We'd recommend these classes to anyone. I've seen it in the delivery room time and time again. Mamas that complete some kind of childbirth education before they're due have a more positive birth. So then why do less than one third of all moms take a birth class? Probably because so many of the options out there are either way too expensive, super inconvenient, or just don't offer mamas really what they need. That's why I created the Birth It Up online birthing classes. With Birth It Up, you'll gain the in-depth knowledge and confidence you need to have a better birth from the comfort of your own home at a price point that can't be beat. Head on over to mommylabornurse.com backslash courses to find the birth class that's right for you. So let's go into the second go round. And I know that getting pregnant was a little bit different for you with this one. So let's talk about that. And then Mm -hmm. let's jump into that birth because I know that birth was also different. Yes. And so, okay, well, we wanted to give, so our son's name is Knox. We knew we wanted to give Knox a sibling. Mm -hmm. So... When my wife and I first got together, the idea was sort of that we would both carry Okay. at one point. And so I went first and the idea was that she would go second. And then towards, you know, the last few months of my maternity leave, when we were coming up to like, okay, well, we're going to have to start getting back in to that mindset again. You know, she had a moment where she was like, I actually have literally no interest in doing this. I really like my you know, my role in our family. I have no interest in being pregnant. Yeah. I have no interest in delivering a baby, you know? She's like, I saw that first time and I'm good. (laughs) I'm good, girl. You you, you got that. And, you know, and she was like, in the whole thing, you're feeding the baby from your boobs, like all day. (laughs) She was just like, no, thank you. But she really wanted a opportunity to feel the genetic connection we decided to do reciprocal IVF, which mm-hmm. is where one partner does an egg retrieval and then the other partner carries. Mm-hmm. So we got everything going for my wife for her egg retrieval. We started with our IVF and this is no joke. This IVF thing is no joke. Yeah. And it was a process. It was a long process. We ended up with 15 eggs and 11 fertilized. And then they called us on day five and told us that they had all died, but one, and we only had this one embryo and we were heartbroken, you know, 
Yeah. We were just heartbroken because it was so out of my wife's comfort zone to even do the egg retrieval. And then, you know, things started out looking really good. And then it was just sort of, it's like how it happens in, you know, like hetero folks doing it the old fashioned way, like not Mm -hmm. every time works. Right. Yeah. And so even under perfect conditions. And so the doctors couldn't really explain what exactly had happened. They normally estimate an attrition rate of like a quarter to a third. So you would end up with a third and you want your embryos to get to a day five. We were going to do a freeze all, meaning we would freeze anything we have, because then we have to prep my body to receive Mm. the embryo, which is its own process entirely because trying to sync up your cycles is actually a nightmare. <laughs> so, oh, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, because you need to then sync up your cycles yeah. so that the retrieval matches with the transfer. Yeah. And they said it's basically impossible. So they did her retrieval in December and we held on hope for our one little embryo. And, you know, that little embryo made it through the ice age and was okay. on ice frozen there for a couple of months. And then I started doing the prep for the transfer, mm-hmm. which is vaginal estrogen three times a day and progesterone shots in the bum once a day. And so, you know, when they check my lining, they make sure everything's really looking really good. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, we're ready to go. We're going to do it. And so, you know, we had so much hope for this one little embryo, honestly, like, we're terrified to even transfer it because once you transfer it, like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, we did it and we just waited and I was just standing in the kitchen, you know, like probably five days after the transfer. Mm -hmm. And I did this like mom sway, which I hadn't done in a really long time where you sort of sway back and forth, like when uh-huh. you're rocking like a new baby. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I looked at my wife and I was like, I'm pregnant. And she was like, what oh. are you talking about? She's like, you're crazy. And I said, no, I said, honest to God. I said, I don't know, something just happened and I just knew. And so she, you know, got the test and I did it. And sure enough, I was pregnant. The pregnancy was really straightforward. And so I had my 38 week appointment. And my midwife said, listen, I'm going out of town this weekend. So if anything happens, who do we want as our backup midwife? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, you meet all the different women in the practice. So you have an idea of yeah. who else is there. Mm-hmm. And so I gave, you know, my next choices and she said, okay. She said, but that's not going to happen. She said, babies wait for me all the time. And <laughs> the famous you, last words. <laughs> I know, right? And so and I was only 38 weeks. And so we just said, okay, we'll meet next week. Mm-hmm. When we meet next week, you know, we'll talk about it and see where we're at. On Monday, came home and I tried to sit down, have something to eat. And I was like, I'm just not feeling good. Like mm-hmm. I'm feeling really, really not good. And so I tried lying down, but I was super nauseous. I was feeling like really very ill mm-hmm. and I started having horrible diarrhea. I started vomiting. I was throwing oh. up. Sure enough, I laid down and I heard that pop, that same pop called the midwife. And sure enough, like by the end of our conversation, you know, they picked up and they were like, boom, 
right away. There mm-hmm. was no little intro mm-hmm. <laughs> like I got the time before. You know, they were, I don't know if it was like all the pressure from being so sick mm-hmm. and all of that, but I was already like in full blown labor. Had this moment where I was like, I need to go to the hospital. And we said, Julie, like, we're going to the hospital. So you meet us there. And she mm-hmm. said, Are you sure? And my wife was like, If Carly's asking to go to the hospital, that's what we're doing. You know, we packed up the car and our friends came over and they're watching, gonna watch Knox overnight. And, you know, we got out into the car and I was like, I can't get in this car right now. I was like, you know that feeling like you just can't sit down, like you just can't sit. And and my wife looked at me like, You get in that freaking car. We are not having our baby in our driveway (laughs) on the third of December. Oh, get in the car. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay, we get in the car. And she was like, get in the car. And I was like, okay. So I got in the car and I was like, oh, here we go. And, you know, I had this idea in my mind, like I'm getting all the interventions. You know, I've had friends who have had epidurals and then taken long naps. Like this is what yeah. I was going for. I was mm-hmm. like, I want the epidural nap. Yeah. And I said to my midwife, like, you tell them I'm coming for that epidural. You tell them, you get them ready. And so she was like, okay, you got it, you know? And so we get there and, you know, we get settled in the room and, you know, I got that nitrous until the, you know, the anesthesiologist came in and my midwife was like, okay, well, let's just, we're just going to check you, you know, get an idea. Like, let's see, you know, going Mm -hmm. into this, like where we're at. And, you know, I'd only been there like less than a half an hour. I just settled and she was like, okay, so you're 10 centimeters already. And I was like, okay. Yeah, sure. Wait, so had you gotten your epidural? I had not, but the anesthesiologist was like, okay, well, you know, we've got a short window of time here. Like if you can sit still. And I was like, I literally looked at her. I was like, hold my drink, sis. Like (laughs) I will sit as still as I need to. Yeah. Trust me. If if you, (laughs) you can do it. I have hijacked my whole birth plan to get here for this epidural moment. Let's go. And so, and I didn't even feel it. I didn't feel any, you know, like I was just like, let's do it. And so the epidural hit and it was lovely. So, you know, I, you know, tried to tell my midwife, like, okay, I'm having that epidural nap now. And she's like, Carly, you're 10 centimeters dilated. Like, this is not happening for you. Like, the epidural nap is not in your future. So I was like, ah, okay, fine. I'll just do it you know? And so the pushing, you know, I already know how to push a baby out. And so I was like, okay, it's a little bit different because you have an epidural. So you don't have that same sensation, Yeah. but you know, they had it titrated pretty low. And so I could still feel what was happening. Like obviously not at the same level as an unmedicated birth by any means, but I had a good idea of like when contractions were happening and what I needed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I started pushing and it was taking forever. Like I pushed my first out in, you know, under 30 minutes. And yeah. so I was like, this is taking so long. Like this is really taking some time. And, you know, I wasn't really switching positions because I had the epidural and I wasn't moving around or anything like that. And so we were just sort of like, okay, we're, this is just part of the process. It's going to be a yeah. long pushing stage for you. And yeah. like, let's not, you know, we're here, let's do it. And right. so 
we had talked about all my birth preferences. You know, my wife was going to catch the baby just same as last time. I really wanted like the lotus picture with the placenta attached mm-hmm. to the baby with the cord still mm-hmm. attached. And, you know, so I had all my preferences all lined up mm-hmm. and my wife was, you know, ready, ready. She was right down there, ready to do the, the big pullout and the big reveal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got the head out and then I had this sensation like, this baby's not moving. Like, oh, no. this baby's just not even moving. Like, yeah. I literally have a baby just like half out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could feel the dynamic in the room change completely. Yeah. You know, the midwife gave like my wife the hip check basically. <laughs> it was yeah. like, yeah, step aside. Yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't know exactly what was going on. And I think that, you know, part of midwifery care and obstetrical care, good obstetrical care is really keeping folks apprised of what's happening. Right. 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 And that really makes a huge difference knowing what's going on. Right. right. And so they were trying to just say like, okay, we're going to get this baby out a little bit stuck, like, but we're going to do it, you know, just push when you feel you have to. And they had changed the position on my bed. So they had sort of, my bed was like, my feet were almost above my head a little bit. Like I was on a on an incline Trendelenburg or a decline is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got, you know, like a little five-step maneuver that they do. And the other midwife was there. She climbed up on top of me and was doing some external pressure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were able to hook his shoulder out because he had his shoulder stuck mm-hmm. and they pulled him out and they put him right on my chest right away. But within just, I maybe had him like two to three seconds and she could just see that he was like, he was just gray, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I saw her really quickly. She like squeezed the cord. He had a true knot in his cord and she squeezed, you know, the blood and she brought it towards his body and she cut the cord right away. And so I knew, okay, this is totally different. (laughs) Something is not right. Yeah. Something's not right. And she took him from me right away. And I um, brought him over the table, the warming table. And, you know, I could see she had like the little baby bag out and was hesitating him. And we were just like, what's going on? And we didn't know the sex of the baby. We didn't know anything. We just were like, what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and it's protocol. They, you know, they push the button and the whole NICU team comes in, right? Because yeah. you'd rather have them there if you need them. And so it took a couple minutes, but it wasn't long. It felt long, but it wasn't long. And he perked up. Okay, good. You know, and so, you know, they were doing, they had him bagged and they were, they were giving him breaths and stuff like that. And after a couple of minutes, you know, he perked up and he cried and stuff like that. And they brought him back over. Yeah. And even more so, you know, than the first time we were like, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Cause it was t- completely drastically different from the first time. Yeah. You know, smooth and steady the first and like quite rocky mm-hmm. for this one yeah. and short, you know, start to finish water breaking to baby born, like even with the long pushing stage, like three hours, maybe. Yeah. Wow. Compared to like 12 for the first. Yeah. And I was just like, I just couldn't wrap my head around what had happened, you know? Yeah. I was like, this is, this is how it all went down. Like, wow, this, this is really different. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and we have this baby and here we are, it's a boy. Like it wasn't that same automatic, like 
elation, right? I was sort of like shook, you know? So he was, he's even bigger. He was nine pounds, three ounces. And, you know, the nurses there were like, are you sure you didn't have gestational diabetes? And I was like, I don't know. I passed the test, you know? Yeah. And so he was hypoglycemic as well. So his blood sugar was low. So we had to stay in the hospital. And because he needed to be resuscitated, they made us, you know, stay. And so it was a 24 hour period. And after going home, you know, the first time so quickly, we just wanted out, (laughs) you know? Oh, yeah minute we got cleared it was like 2 a.m the following night we were like we're out of here at 2 a.m you were like I want to get discharged yes and she was like you're sure you don't even want to stay the night I was like no at this point 30 minutes in my own bed of actual sleep with Trump I was like sharing a room I was like no no get me out of here yeah (laughs) you know so we peeled out of there at like 2 a.m., you know, and we stopped at McDonald's and got some <laughs> nice egg muffins <laughs> nice, and like got home, you know, and settled in and, and started to do this thing. And he was a super easygoing baby. And, Good. you know, so another boy and his name is Wilder. We weren't sure. We were wavering on a third and yeah. We wanted to do, so we paid for our round of IVF. There's a process here in Ontario where the government will fund one round. Mm -hmm. They'll do one retrieval, but you have to go on the list. And so there's a long, long list and it's about 12 to 18 months. And we just didn't feel like waiting that long for our second. You know, we were like, let's do it. And so we paid out of pocket. You know, we call him our little million dollar baby. Love it. Our little unicorn. And, but we were like, let's just go on the list, you know? And so we'll see what happens here with this third. And by the time maybe they call our name, we'll be like, now oh, we're good. Yeah. Or maybe we'll be like, let's do it. Yeah. So it was about, you know, we went on the list October, 2020 and they called us. July 2021. So it was actually substantially shorter than Oh yeah. Like that's not that long at all. Yeah. And so when I saw that number come up on my phone, I was like, what the heck are these people doing calling me right now? Oh, yeah. I was like, okay. And you know, I I called my wife and said like they're calling. Yeah. And it's basically like if you're ready, you're ready and if you're not, you go back to the bottom of the list. Right. So, you know, we had a had a moment and we were like are we going to do this? Yeah. And we were both just like, okay, let's do it. And so we got on the list and then, you know, you start that whole egg retrieval process again. Yeah. And yeah. so we didn't want to, we only had one vial left of sperm. We would have gone, I think like another medicated IUI route if we had more sperm, mm-hmm. but we knew we only had the one vial and our person is now in retirement. So mm. it was important to us that our kids all have the same donor. And so because I'm over 35 now, they call that the geriatric pregnancy. Yeah. And the chances of conceiving on your first try, even with medication at my age was less than 10%. So we just said like, let's not even risk it, you know, and we'll just do the IVF. And so we got settled into that whole thing And, you know, the retrieval was really hard, like very, very hard. My body responded 
through the roof, mm-hmm. which, you know, was a good problem to have in the yeah. end. Yeah. But like it really took to the medication and even on the very lowest dose, you know, on the day I went in for my retrieval, my doctor said, your ovaries are touching. We call it like they're kissing. Ah, interesting. She's like, you have so many eggs. Like they're full. And they're, they're totally full and they're actually touching inside your body. So that was like, and it's uncomfortable for sure. And on the retrieval, they retrieved 37 eggs, which they were just like, couldn't believe, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I had hoped to do a fresh transfer, meaning you wait the five days and then they put a day five embryo back in. Mm -hmm. But because my body had over stimulated, they really want your body to like chill out before Mm -hmm. you do the transfer. Because then if you get pregnant, your hormones go obviously through the roof. And I had developed ovarian OHSS, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. And so pregnancy hormones really exacerbate that. So they said, Mm. we can't really take any chances. And so I cooled off a little bit and waited two months, maybe a cycle and a half or whatever. And then, you know, we got, you know, back into it again. And so... (laughs) And the 37 eggs were retrieved and 35 were mature and 13 formed into embryos. I mean, that's good. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, and we only want one more. (laughs) And so we couldn't believe it, right? We hit the jackpot. (laughs) Yeah. And so we, you know, when the time came, we put our embryo back in there and a few days passed and... I woke up feeling, I was like, I have COVID, you know, there's yeah. no escaping it. I was like, yeah. I got kids coughing in my face, two COVID babies coughing in my face all day right. long. And, you know, my throat was sore and this and that. And so right. I said, I've got COVID and I'm pregnant. And my wife's yeah. like, Carly, come on. And I was like, come on, give me those tests. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I did the nose swab and that came up right away. COVID and then I peed on the stick and that came up right away. Oh my God. And so I was like, I am positive on all fronts here. (laughs) That's great. That's great. And those tests, they look oddly similar. They do. They do. I've like seen memes like because of that, because you're exactly right. It's like, and I've seen, I think it was the holder and his family did a video on how like your thought process when you take a COVID swab is like, kind of the same when you're taking a pregnancy test. Like if you're, you're a little bit funny, nervous, you're a little bit you're nervous. Little bit you're like, this is just going to change things. And it's just so funny. Yeah. And so positive on all friends. And, you know, obviously we were excited. So yeah. we were a little bit worried. Like yeah. the doctors were like, you know, there's nothing to really do. Yeah. Try to not get a fever, you know, keep the fever yeah. down with Tylenol. Yeah. And luckily it was really mild. So I actually had COVID the same time y'all had COVID because I was uh, watching your stories yeah. and I was like, I was like, oh, we got COVID at the same time. Yeah. It's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so that was in February. It was February. Yeah. So, like early February. Yeah, <laughs> early February. And yeah, so now I'm 20. I think 22 weeks along and babies do October 30th. And we're so okay. excited. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much. That was a beautiful, 
story of both births and getting pregnant with this third one. Can you share your social media? Do you have a page that if people want to kind of just connect with you? Yep. So it's just my first and last name. First name is Carly, C-A-R-L-Y, and then underscore Hawk, H-A-W-K-E. Like my page is private, but you're more than welcome, folks. If you know you want a message, reach out. Any queers trying to get pregnant, any, you know, non-queers who are doing the IVF thing too. Like, you know, I feel like we've really done, we've done the full gambit here of fertility. So, you know, happy to help anybody else on their journey. Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Carly. It was a pleasure. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.